0: I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic, digestion, and discussion. Please stay with us. And yes, welcome back. You're back with us at Health Matters. Thanks for uh, tuning us again this day, this lovely day here in Sonoma Valley. We have an interesting program, I hope, for you today. Uh, we're going to be joined in a, f- a few minutes by Catriona McGregor, I'm talking about her book, Partnering with Nature, The Wild Path to Reconnecting with the Earth. It's quite a read, and it's quite useful in a lot of interesting ways. So I'm sure she'll be able to share that with us. I'm also quite confident she'll be a wonderful speaker and teacher, because she's got so much invested in the topic, and is so spread out into it in terms of she does classes all over the place. She has this book. She's 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 a one woman dy- dynamo, it would appear. So, before we get to Catriona, let's do a couple of announcements. I want to come back again one more time to our uh, reminder that uh, whooping cough is out there and it's uh, out there f- uh, pretty intensely for c- certain people. It, it's spoken of, of course, as always as with regard to infants and specifically with infants in uh, Latino families where it seems to be showing up most prominently, but it's important to remember that um, whooping cough or or pertussis is something that's typically spread in a family from adults to children. So it's not the children just have it, it's just that they're the most vulnerable. So anybody that has a um, uh, cough, uh, it can become very serious uh, quite quickly. So of course, the pre- pre- prevention, of course, is the very best thing. Uh, prevention with echinacea, garlic, homeopathy, vitamin C. Um, but you might want to look it up if you have access to the net. Look up uh, naturopathic preventions. Uh, of course, there's always the shots. Uh, but give that a thought. Um, upcoming This coming Sunday, uh, which I just realized, I just noticed this on the wall coming into the program today, uh, my colleague Jennifer Jensen is doing a program called Food is Medicine. Wisdom of uh, Chinese, Tibetan, and Ayurvedic medicine states that the primary causes of disease are stress, emotions, and diet. How do you choose foods which are right for you? Every constitution requires different foods for nourishment. The workshop will look at several Modern diets, raw foods, vegetarians, macrobiotics, and blood types, high-protein diets, etc. This Saturday between ten and four, uh, the program includes lunch and notes and recipes. For uh, more regist- uh, more information, call Jennifer at nine nine six 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 eight one, or a look at all their classes at acupuncture in Sonoma at mac dot com. That's Jennifer Jensen for this coming. Saturday, July the tenth, ten to four. Food is medicine. Might just be an interesting class. Um, Kathy James classes. The my one of my favorite uh, Feldenkrais teachers is doing um, on the seventeenth of July. She's doing um, hands, the use of hands, arms, and shoulders. This is in Petaluma at eight forty Western Avenue. This is a, a wonderful process through. The reawakening of the n- neurophysical connections in the body, and the Feldenkrais technique is something that is—it's—it's um, it's, interestingly enough. I mean, it could almost be a way of teaching you to be happy again, because it—it it, it teaches you the to to appreciate the life of your body. Which, of course, if you're not busy appreciating it, it's going to get um, unhappy with you. So, for more information on this class on the seventeenth for arms. Uh, hands, arms, and shoulders in Petaluma. Kathy James 769-9472. Upcoming at the um, Murphy's Irish Pub on the twenty third of, of July at six thirty. This is uh, one more of Georgia Kelly's uh, presentations. John Bloom will be speaking about his book, The Genius of Money. John Bloom has studied money from many perspectives: historical, cultural, artistic, social, and spiritual. From the poetics of money to the inner landscape of financial transactions, Bloom puts the pieces together in a unique way incorporating the personal and the social aspects of money. John Bloom is the director of organizational culture at RSF Social Finance in San Francisco. He develops educational programs to address the intersection of money and spirit in personal and social transformation. He's also co-emcee of the Economics of Peace Conference that was co-hosted in Sonoma recently by the Praxis Peace Conference, which, is of course, is why, not why, but it's also that uh, Georgia Kelly is part of it. For more information and, and participants must RSVP to attend this event so we can give a count to the restaurant. Email Praxis PraxisPeace, dot org or calls 939-2973 to reserve a space. That's 23rd July, 445 to 630 p.m. A discussion and presentation at Murphy's, the back room at 464 First Street East. And here's our guest. Welcome, welcome to Health Matters.
1: Hi, this is Catriona.
0: Hi, Catriona. Aren't you nice to uh, reach out and touch us?
1: Yes, and you know, I thought I would just call a little bit early just to make sure the um, connection work.
0: Well, you 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 caught me in the middle of my announcements, but what I can do is I can finish them at the end of the program, but we can get right to partnering with nature and all the wonderful things you're going to share with us because... You are a font of so many things, it is almost staggering to imagine. So <laughs> oh, h- how, did, how did so much come out of one person? Maybe you're, maybe you're not really one person. Maybe you're an institution. <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you have so much going on?
1: Well, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life, and um, I've always kind of jumped into things that that have interested me, and of course it's always been about nature and the environment, and um, so the book is really a melding of a lot of that, you know, the, the history and the science and the spirituality and some of the experiences that i've had but i just feel very very thankful for all the opportunities that have that have come my way and and that i've been brave enough to to jump into those and and see where they take me
0: well it's what's so fun is i am from an earlier generation of exactly the same path let me just acknowledge that right up front because we don't know each other and uh i i'm sure you know meredith little and and uh, stephen foster uh, now deceased you know those people, School of Lost Borders.
1: I have certainly heard of them. Yes, right. They're well, very famous. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, Meredith's brother was my nursery school partner, and obviously at the age of four, and but that she that not just Meredith, but I mean that's just one piece of it. But uh, the Esalen Institute in, in the late '60s was. Uh, beginning for me of this very work that you're doing and you're doing it in your own way but it's 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 this discovery of of the potential reality of life really and and what the opportunities of living really are that are somewhat enlarged beyond the sort of consumer culture somewhat enlarged beyond perhaps what they taught us at school and beyond the sort of vision of our lives of what our parents were able to share with us so it's it 's opened up in, in, in your uh, very fresh rendition of this is very well uh, orchestrated in this book, partnering with nature, the wild path to uh, resurrecting uh, reconnecting excuse me with the earth and so it's when I started off with it, ctri I, I admit it, I, I started thinking this is a catechism of the you know the, the basic story, the summaries of the principles of Religion and the kind of questions in a kind of questions and answers form. But as I got into your work, I realized that you were writing this treatise was wasn't only a catechism. It wasn't only just sort of covering the old ground that those of us who've been attentive to the insensitive to the mess to the messages of the spirit, the animal spirits, and the the connection of these things with our with our own evolution and our personal growth. But also, you're you're doing a coaching project as well in this book. So talk to us a little bit about your coaching background, and then how the book kind of intersects with that, if you would.
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I, for many years, um, my love of nature is kind of where I started, you know, as a child, and then I moved into more of the advocacy, you know, on protecting the right. environment, and I did help to protect species and habitat. But the more I traveled around the world, I noticed how much people were suffering as well when um, their environment was damaged, and, um, you know, not only through their health, but emotionally and spiritually. And so over a decade ago, I began working with people more directly while I had always led uh, nature quests and bird outings and those kinds of things for many, many years. Um, I really focused more on using that as an opportunity to help people connect deeply in a really meaningful way with nature. But, of course, this is also a connection into their their own soul. And so that's really where I live now in my work is really helping people to connect um, in a really profound way, with nature and with themselves.
0: And you're very frank about it in your in your claim that, and you then you support it with lots of other people having a, a, a similar claim, is that this is not merely an aesthetic spiritual journey, but that it's truly a a vector, if you will, and perhaps the missing vector of deep healing. And so you. You do talk about it in medical terms, and and as we are, this is a program called Health Matters. We're going to try to focus and kind of pull out of you some of your experiences that 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 point specifically to those. I don't want to quite use the word medical only, but healing and that 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 part of the connection. So so talk to us a little bit about your sense. And am I correct in in asserting that you're actually claiming that that this is a healing process, that this is actually truly clinically significant in a well-being sense?
1: It's very much a healing process. And in the book, um, I cite some of the studies. And, you know, it's really wonderful now because we're really looking at the healing aspects through a scientific lens to really show the the proof of how healing nature can be. So, um, I believe in the book. There's some examples of how um, people heal um, more quickly from surgery, for example, um, if they can observe um, nature and the out of doors versus if they're in a hospital room that has absolutely no view of nature, for example, or has no connection, you know, to, to other living things. And um so there are some really fascinating studies from that perspective. And then of course, um, I also delve into a little bit about the healing power of plants and um many of us have worked with the healing power of herbs and know that they can really help us heal and not just treat the symptoms but really treat the causes of our of our disorders and um it was Bach that we can thank for that because he he had We're been a about physician And uh, yeah, box, uh, you know, herbal um, healing flower uh,
0: flower essences, flower essences, right, right,
1: and um, which are now internationally famous. And you know, he was a traditional physician, and uh, he essentially closed his door on his practice because he felt that uh, you know the traditional prescriptions were only solving the symptoms, not the underlying problem. And he had this deep connection to plants and he closed his doors in the city and, uh, to his practice and went off into the wilds of Wales. Wales has some incredibly be- beautiful wild open space there and he communed with the plants. He would actually lift up a flower or a leaf or a petal and hold it in his hand very carefully in a kind of a meditative state and he could actually read the vibration of the plant and gain an understanding to what underlying psychological uh, gap or ailment was causing a particular illness or symptom, and that's how he created his um, essences. Mm. Um, so I really look at that in, in you know, all those examples. And, of course, one of the main things about the book, though, or about the, the, the point of our connection to nature is that we, we tend to be healthier when we're in more contact with nature. So to try and even head off before we even become ill, um, just being connected to nature uh, equals often good health.
0: Well, you're, you're in the era of people who write books about nature deficit disorder, of which obviously you, you now have become one yourself. Uh, i will I, remember it it couldn't have been that long ago the gentleman who wrote that book you who you mentioned in the book whose name is i don't it's not in my mind right now but the what was the name of that book it's uh, uh,
1: that's called um uh nature last child in the woods right. woods nature deficit disorder
0: right and and I, I heard him on a radio program somewhere and he was a very a very convincing storyteller on exactly what those words mean that the and he was talking about children and at least as during the program there about how significant that was as a as a practical matter for their ability to tolerate industrial schooling do you have any thoughts on that <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's a really a breakthrough message. That message is breaking through to what one would call more traditional, main, mainstream mm-hmm. uh, ways of thinking. And, um, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in that, that there's this just huge disconnect or, you know, nature, nature disconnect or nature deficit that's occurring with, with our children. And um, in partnering with nature, I also uh, claim that that's happening with adults too nowadays. There are studies saying that, um, you know, people are, Americans are spending Less than an hour a week out of and outside—that's just uh, you know really crazy and and not healthy at all. And um, and a lot of the ailments that we're seeing in society with children, for example, obesity and uh, attention deficit disorder—all these kinds of things—we um, believe can really be healed or solved by having more contact with nature, more outdoor time to a large extent. Not every single case, but probably half or more of uh, people suffering from these kinds of disorders.
0: Well, partnering with nature is... And you say it over and over again. You talk about partnering with nature means understanding that nature reflects the ultimate creative, compassionate force of the universe. Partnering with nature means reviving the ways of knowing that we possessed when we lived closer to the rhythms of Earth. Partnering with nature means learning to live simply and joyously within a new global ethic that values the environment. So this is a huge bite of life that you're inviting us to join you on. And... um, I'm I'm wondering in terms of there there's the sort of you're reaching out and touching your audience and you're inviting them to take this journey with you and I'm I'm wondering when in my own experience of being around the environmental ethic if you will and also the psycho spiritual ethic as well people have a pretty hard shell about sort of not wanting to join the journey of that but because they they somehow realize that I don't know that what they realize exactly, but they must realize something, or they just have the habitual resistance to change. But it seems like that the the modern consumerist life, its 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 group of payoffs are such that the that the the payoffs that you're alluding to in terms of the the joyousness payoffs, the the, the health giving payoffs, and so on, are somehow uh, would involve sort of giving up some of the sort of the the I, would, I call them the false pleasures of the of the successful consumerist life. So, how do you? And I I know the answer to this question, but I want you for our listeners' benefit. I want you to talk about how people can get over that, Eric. How they can penetrate that that resistance that they have to surrendering the sort of the false sweets of. Of the of of a life that's making them unhappy to begin to embrace the warmth of the sun and the joyous rhythm of life in 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 the earth more earth centered environment how do how do you help get through that that ego wall if you will.
1: And, you know, it, it's so true that it is um, about uh, turn, turning our attention to what I call what makes us more alive and what makes us more human. And, you know, we become overly domesticated. And um, what I mean by that, too, that over-domestication of, <coughs> the you know, not only the wilds but of the human, human being, too, in that, um, you know, our culture and often our systems in place uh, get us thinking that the way to be whole is to have, you know, buy lots of consumer more, more goods more stuff, or, yeah. <laughs> you know, eat lots of, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, expensive foods and um, go to expensive vacations and things like that. And yet, you know, or spend a lot of time in front of the TV and Nintendo and, and all the things that people do nowadays. Um, but, you know, what happens is it just saps the life from us. We're not really living. And, um, uh, you know, just the other night, um, you know, and I'm not, no one's immune to this. I was uh, watch TV myself, and I was watching TV one night. And I turned it off, and I went out, and I stood outside, and I looked up at the stars, and I inhaled, and I just felt so incredibly alive. And um, it's those moments that people awaken to when they uh, begin to spend more time um, in nature and more time being who they are versus um, to trying to fill the wholeness of themselves, if, if you want to look at it that way, with um, buying things and uh, sitting and watching other people's lives, which is what we're presented with, or the drama of other people's lives on TV, mm. and um, really get in greater touch with that. So through the book, I, re- I recognize that you know most of the people that are going to be reading that book are in Western society, and many of the people that I work with, obviously, are Westerners. And so um, that's why in the book I'm very careful to cover the science and the reason, the why of, as well as the beauty of I tried to cover both and um, so an example of that is, you know, everyone has probably had the experience or at least heard the expression that, you know, wh- when I go out for a walk, it really clears my mind.
0: Well, and we need to thought, hold that thought because we need to take a little break. Okay, sure. We're at Health Matters. We're at, at uh, Sun FM 91.3 in Sonoma. We're talking to Catriona McGregor on her book, Partnering with Nature, The Wild Path to Reconnecting with the Earth. Please stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a moment. Tonight on the Town, on the 20, hear what's happening in Sonoma. Hey, it's Ken Brown from The Morning Show. It's Tonight on the Town, Wednesday, July 7th. Trivia night down at Murphy's Irish Pub, seven thirty p.m., 1st Street East. City Council meets tonight, 6 p.m. You can watch it on SVTV, Channel 27, Cable, Comcast, or stream it on sonomasuntv.com. Watch it tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. Supervisor Valerie Brown has office hours today, 4 to 7 p.m., 810 Grove Street. That's the Sheriff's Substation in El Verano, 565-2241, or J H A I N S T. TO at Sonoma County.org and sign up for an appointment. And Easy Cools down at Whole Foods in Napa at the Bel Air Shopping Center, 5 to 7 p.m., all on Sun FM 91.3 KSVY in Sonoma. Hi, my name is Electra. Ever since fourth grade, my friend Elsa has been my mentor. She helps me with some of my schoolwork, and she helps me with some of the rough times of just growing up. Most of all, we have lots of fun. There are a lot of kids on the waiting list for a mentor because there just aren't enough mentors for all the kids on the list. No experience is necessary, and the pay is making a new friend.
1: Do something really important. Become a mentor. For more information,
0: call the Sonoma Valley Mentoring Alliance at 996-6843.
1: As you stand, stand by me Hello and buenos dias This is Anna here inviting your child to travel to a Spanish-speaking world this summer The World of Common Bond Spanish Camp Children learn Spanish easily as they enjoy traditional Mexican cooking, crafts, and games. The dates of the camp are July 12th to 23rd, 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. daily. Transportation is available. To register, call 933-0404, extension 120, or visit our website, (laughs) commonbond.us. Listening to Sun FM, 91.3 KSVY in Sonoma, California.
0: And welcome back to Health Matters. We're speaking today with Catriona McGregor and kind of talking around her book, Partnering with Nature, The Wild Path to Reconnecting with the Earth. So, Katriana, uh, are you, just so our listeners who might get a chance to hear you do a, a live presentation somewhere, are you doing anything in the North Bay in the upcoming uh, uh, time ahead here?
1: I am. I'm doing a couple of things. I am doing a grandmother tree hike. On uh, July 24th, that's a Saturday, to Samuel P. Taylor. We're going to go see one of the oldest trees over 2,000 years old. What fun. And that's a free event. And then I'll be running a uh, spirit animal journey in San Francisco at Fort Mason in September. But people can learn about the events up at uh, naturalpathfinder.com.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's your overall website? Yes, it is. Okay. And quite a lovely site it is. It's it's um, just filled with. That's what made me when I when I started the program. I, I said, I looked at that website. It just looked. I mean, there all the categories of things that you're involved with. It made it look like it was, you know, uh, 20 people maybe uh doing all these different kinds of things. <laughs> I, I, so yeah,
1: I, I think I need a, a couple more bodies. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I think. So is your is the rest of your family involved with you, if I may ask? Or. In this in this work or is this I mean, do you have a I guess you have a family and do I,
1: I do, and I, I yeah, I have a great family, and my son's about to go off to college, and uh, um, uh-huh. but no, they they're not involved um, in it. They do occasionally go hiking with me, which is nice. Right, um, right. But uh, no, it, it's just myself. I do sometimes though work with assistants, and mm-hmm. um, I train people in running quests, and sometimes the people that are in training um, help help with some of the programs that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And when I run my youth quests, I always do those in partnership with existing. After school uh, programs, and I really have some wonderful, you know, partnerships and relationships with other other groups that work with kids. When I do that,
0: well, it would it would seem like it would take a lot more hands than just two, uh, in terms of looking at what you're hoping to uh, reach out and accomplish. Um, coming back to the book itself, um, the the I mean, there's it's the, the 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 parts. One of the things that jumped out at me was the. The picture of you carrying the um, the hungry hawk home. Um, tell our listeners that story. That's a, a beautiful little story, and I think it, it also probably gives our listeners a chance to really see in a very easy way, kind of the birth of this person that you've become.
1: Well, the, the um, hungry hawk. Um, one day, I uh, when I was around eleven or twelve, I. Um, went out to a farmer's field. I had hens at the time, bantam hens, and I went to to get some hens uh, from him and he owned a lot of acreage and had forested land. And um, as I was walking along his property, there was this tiny, beautiful little, uh, totally white downy uh, bird, a chick, young, young baby sitting on the ground. And I walked over and realized that it was a young hawk and um, uh, picked it up and tried to find its nest because, of course, you're always trying to put, put, you know, the wild things, give them back to their, their parents or their nests because they, they can take the best care of them. But I couldn't find the the nest anywhere uh, after hours of searching and the baby was obviously very hung- hungry and getting kind of weak so took it home and raised it and it grew into a beautiful young male uh sparrowhawk um how, how and, long, how long um, a
0: time period are we talking about what's that how long a time period are we talking about i mean how, when you say you raised it what over what what kind of a period of time
1: um, well, it was full-grown and uh, pretty much was released. We went into training um, after in, the, in a few months um, when it was you know, able to fly fully. Mm-hmm. And when it did begin its time flying, of course, it got wilder and wilder, and I was encouraging it to become wilder and wilder, too, so it could have a, you know, a full life. And um, it used to fly up in the trees. At night, and then I would go up in the early morning and call for it, uh, you know, in the in the dark of the morning, and it would fly down to me, and um, so it probably the total span of our relationship was a six month, wow. uh, you know, pr- process before it was completely, you know, just, wild.
0: I just for our listeners to t- just think of that. Just I mean, that's what I kind of wanted to put a time frame on it because it just think of uh, you were saying you were a. Uh, well, uh, a preteen, a preteen, eleven-year-old girl, girl, and she finds a, a a downy chick in the in the and 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 then six months later, the hawk flies into its life, fully, at least, ho- hopefully, fully ready as ready could be to join the rest of the world of hawkness. And as as you write, and it, I think that that's a very compelling story about how a young person would feel the kind of feelings that you have because to, for you to be able to sustain a relationship with a with a you know a, uh, a, an animal that way it says a lot about you
1: it does, and it you know it's a big responsibility in many <laughs> in many ways raising the wild the wild animals that way and you know I refer to that sparrowhawk I think I mentioned it in the in the book as my first son right. um, because you know there is a lot of involved in, in caring for them and, and feeding them and uh, you know helping them through through the process of maturing and becoming uh, you know really strong healthy. Uh, beings who can become what they're meant to be, and uh, but there's just so much love there, and and passion, and and you know also just that you know having a lot of patience, and I think that all of us can be that way when we're really passionate about something, and uh, you know have a great love, a uh, great love there. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: you you talk about again coming back to uh, the sort of healing ourselves through nature. You, you talk about E.O. Wilson's um, about how environmentalism is a necessity, not a luxury, um, and how Hippocrates talked about the equ- equilibrium between the organism and, and its environment. You 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 built your case in a in a very sound and stable and structured way, so that the reader gets the feeling that we're not just having kind of a gauzy exp- sort of aesthetic experience with the dreams of nature, but you're actually helping us live in nature in a more active way. So let's talk a little bit about that connection between uh, the equilibrium between the organism and environment. Tell us just a little bit about your thoughts about that and, and how maybe even give us an example of how our the individuals listening to us today might Choose to a little, just a little, pro, a little practice of some kind that might enable them to experience a sort of a, a transition of the type that you lead your uh, people toward.
1: Well, there's and there's a few ways, and one is just really sim- simply spending more time out of doors. And you know, I would really encourage people to get a walk in. Um, you know, hopefully every day, but if not every day, at least five days a week. Um, the best time of day to do that is the morning and of course you're catching the bird song and perhaps the rising sun which is really really beautiful and just the light at that time of day is so gorgeous and um, you know spend the time walking or spend the time being in nature and you don't even have to have a destination in mind it might be just to really explore and be open to um, the sounds and the smells and and the visions and the things that happen around you, just having that awareness. So, I would recommend to be in nature. Don't go in nature with your, uh, you know, your headphones in and, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But to be really open and uh, be the receptive one when mm-hmm. when there. Mm-hmm. So, um, doing that alone, obviously, physically, it's it's good for your body. You're also inhaling ox- oxy- uh, more oxygen because um, many of our homes and buildings now don't have enough oxygen flow in them. Um, So it's just a lot healthier in that way, too. And then for those people that really want to explore more of the energetic spiritual connection, and um, I speak a little bit about the spiritual experiences I've had with trees and uh, some of the history of Buddha and the Bodhi tree and those kinds of things, people can learn how to meditate with trees and also how to work with energy with the trees and have an exchange of energy through a practice I call tree energy surfing. And this not only helps you build a relationship with that tree, but helps you understand your own energy system and it helps you understand when you're in an environment that's supportive of you and energetically and spiritually and when you're in an environment that may be uh, negative uh, to you.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm well and and also you're also speaking coming back to the sort of the rudiments of of the physiology of it, you also talk about the benefits, beneficial effects of negative ions for instance you <laughs> and you remind us that the reason they honeymooned at Niagara Falls is because the um that the negative ions are just so much stronger around the the falling bodies of water and you in fact you use a use a comment to read from your book here you say the um most outdoor places on Earth contain twelve hundred to four thousand negative ions per cubic centimeter, which is the size of a sugar cube you say. However, at the Yosemite Falls, there are over one hundred thousand negative ions per cubic centimeter in an area where the water inter- interacts with the land so there 's this huge burst of negative ions that can easily be absorbed in the lungs, you say and and so these the, and this these ions uh, uh, Accelerate the delivery of oxygen to our cells. And for those, of, I'm an oriental medicine doctor. And so for those of us who I spend enormous amounts of time trying to encourage my clients to recognize there are different ways that we need to be favorable toward the acceleration of the delivery of oxygen to the cells. And here, in a very simple way, by being by the ocean, or being in a, an area where um, where the where the water is very active, that uh, that these are very agreeable. So maybe bes- beside that kind of thing, what other environments? And you say there are places that that we as individuals are some that are positive to us, and, and some that are, are negative to us, or help us uh, maybe help our listeners understand how they might, in a simple way, begin their discovery of what what are positive places for them and what may be not so positive, if you would.
1: Well, um, one of the things is to really pay attention to where people are spending most of their time. And, again, you know, I'm encouraging, strongly encouraging people to at least spend an hour um, at least out, out of doors, and then you know at least you're getting some exercise, some fresh air, and, right. and can have, have that kind of exchange with nature. But, um, you know, if you're spending a lot of time in an office or in a particular room of your house, You know, be really aware of the air quality there. Notice um, you may want to bring some plants um, into your home, especially plants that are particularly well-known for um, cleaning air and having tremendous capacity around um, uh, purifying air. Uh, such as a spider plant, and, you know, the spider plant is just so easy to grow and, and multiply so many times over. So that's one simple thing that, that people can do is to bring the plants in and keep them around them. And, um, you know, some of the negative things that I've seen, uh, for example, there was one office that asked me to come in and, and help them with kind of their, their office layout as far as health, in a, in a nature-based mm-hmm. perspective, mm-hmm. and one of their employees was constantly getting sick. And I used a gauss meter, which measures, uh, you know, the hertz uh, that's the, that was kind of bombarding her in her desk area. And there, outside of the building, there was a huge line, um, you know, telegraph line, etc., that was um, bombarding her with really bad negative energies. Mm-hmm. And because she was not in touch with her energy, and we often didn't tend to be out of touch. She wasn't feeling that, so that's one reason why I carry a gauss meter because I can actually physically show people on a meter where you see this area is not safe for you to be in, and if you just move over ten feet over here, you're you know you're out of that range.
0: Oh wow! So um, you actually you actually part of your serv- part of your, the the many services you offer is uh, this kind of uh, ecological monitoring.
1: I've done that kind of thing. I don't all, you know, I don't, that's my, my preferred thing is to be outside with people and to help <laughs> them uh, connect. But I have gone in and, and mm-hmm. helped people in that way and wow. help them bring plants into their environment, check their air quality, mm-hmm. and check for, you know, harm, harmful energies, that kind of thing. How do
0: you check for the air quality?
1: Um, there are devices you can bring in things that measure oh, the so amount a- of oxygen in the air, ah, and and also can pick up on anything in the air like formaldehyde and other things. People might be amazed at what is are in things like carpets and some mm-hmm. of the upholstery and mm-hmm. curtains and things. There's often really horrible chemicals in there, right. um, and you can you can pick that up. There's certain. Um, um you know the devices that i have that can measure those things
0: huh. so people can yeah. actually look at a meter or they can look at a readout somewhere or other and they can actually see with their own two eyes
1: Oh. Exactly, exactly, because, you know, I, I can really sense energy, and, you know, a lot of people can ha- have a lot of high sensitivity to energy, so mm-hmm. I can feel it, mm-hmm. but I can't just say to people, oh, you know, this." I can feel that this, right. <laughs> this is a bad area, or some people will listen to that and some won't, so that's right, why it's right. so nice to have something like a Gauss meter uh, that can physically show people what's, you know, specifically what's happening.
0: Well, for, like, our, list, for our listeners' benefit, if, if, given, if, if, if you're tied up or don't want to do it, where do they look for people that would... Would help them do that if they wanted to make an assessment of their home. In other words, so many people have heard about the feng shui people. They come in, they say, "Oh well, get the mirror over there," and so on, like that. But which is not a bad thing. But it's it's that's more perceived to be more of an aesthetic thing, although it's it's regarded as every bit as much of a health matter as well. But for but I don't know the, very well that the, the and, and we don't have in Sonoma that I'm aware of people that are busy doing the kind of ecological assessments that you're talking about. Is there some kind of a gathering place for those people either on the net or someplace where people are they could sort of check that out
1: well th- that's one reason why i started doing this actually is because there aren't a lot of people that that do this you uh-huh. know with the understanding of how, how to kind of re- get things in a healthier place through I what i call through using natural systems and um, so that's why i like kind of got pulled into in <laughs> providing and you're in... that. But there are a few people, I and I can look around, too. I have run across an occasional feng shui person who does also have a gauss meter. Uh-huh. Um, they may not do the full assessment that I do, but you know, there are people that do bits and pieces of that. So people somebody... can also sometimes purchase a gauss meter themselves. Right. right. Um, so, and that's one part you know that's one step of the way,
0: but it takes somebody and, like yourself who sort of understands what these things mean. You, you not only have to have a meter but you have to have a concept of what 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 matters and what doesn't matter so so are you if people go find you on the net at your at your website? Is there? I didn't. I don't recall. Is there? Is there one of the off, one of the many offerings of what you do? Is one of the many? What, is this what we're talking about now? Is this? Well,
1: they can contact me, okay. um, and I I can you know, and if they're in, in within the Northern California, or even you know, not not too far of a travel. Right. Um, yeah, I am you know uh, available, and I've also mm-hmm. um, been thinking about training. Um, some of the assistants who've been helping me with the Vision Quest in, in this as, as well. So this may be a new a new area because, you know, I do understand that sometimes people are, are spending a huge amount of time indoors. And well, there's, um, there's, the United there's... Nations and EPA recently said that I think it was like 65% of the buildings they consider uh, unhealthy uh, buildings, buildings. Yeah, uh, exactly. those buildings that were constructed uh, from 1970 on. Um, because the materials have chemicals in them and right. you know, again they're they're just they can't breathe like some of the older buildings.
0: Katri Catr- Katriana, we, we need to take one another little brief break, a briefer break this time. We're speaking to Katriana McGregor and her book uh, Partnering with Nature. Please stay with us. We'll be back with you in just a moment.
1: Is your child interested in nature, gardening, or wildlife? Then send them to the Sonoma Ecology Center's garden camp this summer. Our fun and educational day camp for children ages 6 to 12 is located at the Sonoma Garden Park in East Sonoma. We are offering three sessions of camp, each with a different theme, birds and worms, pollinator planet, and farming fun. To learn more or register your child, visit www.sonomaecologycenter.org. www.sonomaecologycenter.org. Saturday, July 24th, an evening fundraiser, Moonlight Adventure at Jack's, will be hosted by Valley of the Moon Natural History Association at Jack London State Park. Join us for a behind-the-scenes tour of the cottage, rarely seen artifacts, a silent auction, live music, and a moonrise dinner by Olive and Vine in the Old Winery Ruins. All proceeds go directly to benefit the park. Advanced ticket purchase required. Space limited. For tickets, go to www.jacklondon50th.com or call Susan at the park, 707-938-4827. You're listening to Sun FM, 91.3 KSVY Sonoma.
0: And welcome back to Health Matters, Dr. Ned Hoke. Today with Katriona McGregor, talking about uh, her new book, partnering with Nature, the wild path to Reconnect- reconnecting with the Earth. So, uh, Catriona, I, your publicist also gave us a sample interview question list, which are a, a bunch of really interesting questions, and I haven't gotten to any of them. But um, one of the things that, that they offer us that you that you that you could be a, a resource for that says um you you uh, you make a few references to societal trends that in part caused our present disconnections with nature and, and you reference the founding of Christianity of one of those influences can you explain this
1: absolutely and I, I see that there's three things right now that that really um are in uh, keeping us away from nature. But the the beginning one was the founding of what I call the the institution of Christianity, and I want to make it really clear that I'm not speaking about the teachings of Jesus, which um, I believe differed in, in many ways from that. And with the founding of the institution of Christianity, which was very much about building an institution and members and assets and, and all of that, um, uh, they really uh, went forward with an agenda to wipe out <laughs> the um, existing um, spiritual beliefs or religions at the time. And most of the peoples before the Christianity um, believe uh, in um, uh, spiritual beliefs were more closely related to what it, people call pagan beliefs, which is in a very good term. Um, and of course, pagans refers to everyone, including the Greeks and the Romans, etc. And anyone who believed in any kind of earth-based spirituality or uh, that there was any wisdom or divinity within the earth or within the animals or within themselves. And with the institution of Christianity, um, stepping in and saying, no, that divinity is not around you or within you. Um, it's this, uh, you know, sky god that's at a distant it's place. and
0: Somewhere else.
1: If, if you want to connect you have to come through us right. to get to, this, to your God um, so there was this huge power shift of course and, um, and you know, people didn't take to it too, uh, too well. Some people did, but a majority of people did not. Right. So that's why um, there were so many things like witch hunts. And, of course, there's so many laws on the book. I went back when I did the research for the book and so many laws, you know, saying you can't do this and you can't do that. You can't dress. Uh, what many of the Europeans did during celebrations like New Year's was they dressed like the animals. They would put on stag antlers and that kind of thing. Uh, you can't gather Around trees, you can't say trees are holy places, wow. and they did terrible, terrible things to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they killed them, they tortured them, they took all their property, and you just have to have a few of those things happen in your town, in your city, in your community, you know, see someone burn at the stake, or uh, have a friend, uh, to- you know, totally, uh, of course, once somebody takes all your property, um, you know, you would probably starve and die, and, you know, that'll pretty much break you the habit of, of saying that there's divinity in a tree, or Within an animal. So um, that was just a really, really um, intense time, intense shift and change. And I also highlight, though, that we do practices today um, in a subconscious way, which shows that we understand that there's sacredness there. And I talk about how bringing in the Christmas tree and donning it with lights and beautiful objects. Is are the acts of a dormant of a sacred object, mm-hmm. and um, that's what we're doing there. Even though we don't consciously say it or speak about it, mm-hmm.
0: I want to be sure our listeners get a chance. We, we have about five minutes for listeners' questions. Anybody's out there that wants to talk to Catriona, our call in number is nine three three nine one three three. Should you have a question or two for Catriona McGregor and her book and the and the subject that we're talking about today, so we just have this brief little window. I should have made it longer. Sorry about that. But at any rate, so that was one thing that I that I, I liked that question. I also loved your answer. Um, another one of the questions I'm invited to ask is: There's a lot of concern about the Mayan calendar ending in uh, 2012, and some people surmise this is the end of the world. Um, can you address this in your book, and and what will actually happen in your view in, in 2012? And you
1: know, I, I speak a little bit about the Mayan calendar in the book to make the point of. Um, how uh, time is perceived in Western culture and in cultures like versus cultures like the Mayan or versus the, the pagan cultures. And um, I believe that chapter's called, um, uh, you know, that uh, linear time is what I call unforgiving and cyclical time is forgiving. And what I mean by that is when people see uh, natural cycles in nature and uh, see themselves uh, dancing with the universe in these natural cycles, every new year... It's a brand-new year, and it's a brand-new time that you can be a different person in a way that you can start anew, start fresh, whereas in linear time, you're always kind of dragging, you know, your history behind you, your baggage behind, <laughs> behind you, right. and so it's, it's harder to kind of renew, renew yourself and others. And the Mayans, of course, believed in the cyclical time, and the 2012 date is just the end of their 2,600-year um, long count of uh, the Ketun uh, cycle. And um, so, it's not really the end of the world or anything doom, doom or gloom. It's just the beginning of a new cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of positive things that are coming with this cycle, as well as kind of you know uns- some unsettling things with the uh, raising. Um, earthquakes, volcanoes, things like that, which I think were predicted also um, in that calendar.
0: Mm -hmm. Also, you say, again, one of these options here, given the recent Copenhagen Climate Summit, does it seem like we are moving further away from any likelihood of solving the ills like global warming? Can you speak to that?
1: Well, there's a few different things that, um, you know, one of the things people complain about it a lot, and I'm sure that's most of your listeners who have heard about it have heard that, you know, things got really stymied and, stalled and and many of the environmental progressives felt that we didn't get very far at that summit. But I just want to point out the fact that we have our global leaders actually meeting about the environment is huge, and just, an enormous step forward the the fact that they're stalled means that you know our economic systems and our lobbyists are are really pulling hard and pulling back to keep the status quo um, which which is not good and that's a hard to break through Um, the other thing is a lot of people are not aware of how hard the Obama administration is really working on the environment because his strategy is he's tended not publicizing a lot of his environmental work he's just doing it so one of the things that they've been trying to do now, this is the second year, is they're trying to stop these insane subsidies to the oil companies, mm-hmm. and uh, they're trying to put that into the budget. And <clears throat> they're getting clobbered in, in the, you know, in the Congress and the Senate when they're trying to pass this. But it's important for the public to know that our tax dollars do go to um, deep deep sea oil drilling, and that Obama is trying to stop. Uh, these subsidies to that industry. So any help that we can give him, uh, signing on to a petition or contacting his office, there are ways to contact him through email and mail, uh, letting him know that you support this and that this is one of the most important things to you at this time.
0: So you're feeling like Obama is actually stepping up to the plate in in, in terms of making positive steps toward the environment in, 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 in the ways you speak of.
1: One of the biggest things that we have to shift Soon is our, uh, this crazy, crazy business of getting our energy from fossil fuels. It's, it's just insane. And now that we know, you know, it's kind of like the Icarus story. Here we are doing this deep oil, uh, you know, d- drilling, deep ocean drilling, and we really don't know what we're doing. And uh, now that the world's eyes are focusing in on this, um, we can see that um, obviously the oil companies don't know how to handle this situation, and um, we should not be there at all. Um, So that's Obama's message, too. He, He wants to cut the subsidies. You know, he's got this case now where he's trying to stop uh, the The deep ocean drilling, and you know he got stymied in that by the judge who who uh, has all those shares of stock at the right. oil companies, right. um, so he 's trying to do a lot and mm-hmm. um, sure. and uh, we need to help him, we need to really gather around him um, and help with that, and uh, tell him we support him in in every way and we need to start moving our monies to technology like solar. I just read that Stanford professors had this huge breakthrough in solar in um, looking at how plants store energy from the sun and now they've reproduced that in technology. I think they did that for all of $500,000 and meanwhile the BP uh, oil executive of CEO said that his annual salary is $6 million a year. Could, could you imagine that one twelfth of his salary uh, going to these researchers and they've discovered this whole new breakthrough? So if we just took his entire salary, you know, and moved it into the solar uh, industry and eat research, what could we accomplish? So, and that's just a tiny, you know, drop in the bucket there.
0: Well, I, I, I lobbied the Nixon administration on behalf of solar energy, so I, I'm very acquainted with uh, the drama of, what, of also what it takes to awaken the, the political leaders to the value of these things. Well, Katrina. Catriona as own owner Catriona it's it's you have written a book that is fun to read that is nourishing in its very nature and you've also Given us lots to do and lots to think about, so it's. um, I very much urge our listeners to pay attention to this book and tell us. Tell us one more time the upcoming thing. It's Samuel P Taylor again, or. or...
1: Um, Well, there's and the book right now. There's a special on the book at Amazon.com, so they can go up there and order the book. Okay. And actually, it's being offered. I think at a steal. It's it's only ten dollars or something like that. So they've really reduced the price. Oh boy! Um, And then the the hike that I'm doing. That's a free hike. Is on on July 24th, that's a Saturday morning, mm-hmm. um, just a few hour, a couple of hours that day, right. uh, over at Samuel P. Taylor. and We'll be gathering there, wow. and uh, people will be learning about redwood trees in a whole new way, I think. And then um, I also will be doing a pre- author signing and book presentation at um, Muir Woods later in August, oh, in mid-August. I'll be putting that up on the site, oh, and I'll be doing a spirit animal journey in the city, too, in uh, September.
0: Right. So that's... That's the, again give us the, the naturalpathfinder.com it's the website. That's right. All right. Well, what a pleasure to talk with you and what a pleasure to to look at to look at your work. Thanks so much for joining us today on Health Matters.
1: Well, thanks so much uh for having me. I've really appreciated and it's been a, a joy to speak with you.
0: We'll look forward to more from you in the future.
1: Okay, thank well, you. Bye-bye now. Bye now.
0: Wow. Well, this truly is. I mean, I, I like most of the books that I that I interview and and um, and bring on to talk about, and the reason I bring them on is because I like them. But this one is a special one, and she really uh, she makes the case so thoroughly and so efficiently, and so warmly that it's uh, it's worth everybody's time to have a look at it again partnering with nature, Catriona McGregor, and again her website is naturalpathfinder.com Okay, so there's that and coming back, we didn't get a chance to finish all of our announcements I don't think, I think I had some more announcements, I'm not quite ready to do this, but I'll find a way to do it anyway, if I can find my notes, where are they? Here they are Um. Yes, um, on Sunday, and I think next week we're going to have somebody coming on to talk about this. So for regular listeners, maybe you don't have to listen too carefully, but for our just passing listeners, uh, the Sonoma Shambhala Center on the Sunday, the 25th, between 9 a.m. and 5 p.m., they're they're going to do a day of practice. No registration required, no, no fee is involved. Uh, come as you are. um uh, the Sonoma Shambhala Center is the, actually the work of a teacher that I originally studied with in the 1970s, a, a man named Chogun, Chogyam Trimpa Rinpoche, a, a Tibetan Buddhist teacher, but is now much more developed in a certain way. And they're going to be doing chants, sitting and walking meditation. They're going to be doing uh, meditations for the sick, sitting and walking meditation. There's going to be a reading and a talk, more sitting and walking meditation, some tea, Uh, and closing chants all between 9 and 5 on Sunday uh, July 25th and I think this is a wonderful way to acquaint yourself with the Sonoma Shambhala Center but also just for those of you who don't necessarily want to join anything but want to just take a day of retreat and and, uh, to either learn meditation or to experience a day-long process where a time to settle down a time to get in touch with the depths of our own mind So it's, I guess, it's sitting sessions, walking meditations, and a lunch break. So for more information, you want to call, or that is contact, oh, I forgot to keep the number on this. I don't have the phone number. There is a phone number, but I don't have it on the piece of paper in front of me, regretfully. But you can reach Gene Wong at, um, this is, you have to write this down, and I'll be slow about it. It's Jean Wong at, and her email address is M A R C J E A N H W at Comcast.net. One more time M A R C J E A N H W at Comcast.net or the Sonoma Shambhala Center, which is right next to Copy Store and more right here in Sonoma. So again, that's July the 25th, Sunday all day, 9 to 5. A day of practice it sounds like a lot of fun, actually, and I, I should do it. I hope I can take the time. Um, let's see. I guess that's it. I, we mentioned last time our, our the art camps. Uh, we uh, one of the uh, there's the camp the the, Sp- the Spanish camp for the kids. There's the children's yoga yoga camp. We're just rich in camps this summer here in Sonoma. So please take advantage of all of it, if you're a kid or you're a grown-up. I'm sure that there's room for all of us to have a good summer and to. Have the rest that we really need again one more time uh, my colleagues uh, food is medicine class this coming on Saturday this is Jean uh, Jennifer Jensen food is medicine a uh, comprehensive look into healthy eating strategies um, uh, her phone number nine nine six 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 eight one if you cannot pacify your spirit you let your mind be complicated with desires and worries your disease will not be cured to be healthy, you must avoid anger and worry. Keep your mind happy, your heart at ease, and your desires at low levels. That's the guidance of the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine, the basic book of Chinese medicine. Our Health Matters motto is, Healthcare isn't a noun, it's a verb. There you go. Tune us in again next week. And until then, I, you, I bid you well.